Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. This is an interview style podcast where I talk with musicians, performers and sometimes wrestlers. I am your host, the Sizz Dog. Thanks for joining me. It is a beautiful day today in Melbourne. Oh man, I'd love to be at the beach sipping on a Long Island iced tea and soaking up the sun, but instead I'm here in glorious Epping in the studio recording the podcast, the intro, the outro, all that fun stuff. And, you know, other than the beach, I can't think of anywhere else I'd rather be, Art of Touring listeners. I'll tell you that, that's the truth. Oh man, I'll tell you what though, I got into a prang on the weekend. I was reversing uh, my car out of the garage and my back sensors didn't kick in until I heard this crash and I backed into my neighbor's Camry. <laughs> so I, uh, I was on the phone today with the insurance company and I'll have to pay this thing called an excess. You ever heard of this, an excess? Um, to get both of the cars fixed up. Ugh. But, you know, it could have been worse, man. You know, no one was hurt. So I can be thankful for that. But uh, it's still a bummer, hey? What can you do? I've been listening um, I've been listening to this new podcast. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the, uh, the podcast before, but I'm a big wrestling fan, obviously, because I've, you know, interviewed a wrestler. And I've actually got another wrestler coming up soon. So um, I'm getting to feed that desire as well by talking to people that actually do this for a living. But I've been listen I've been listening to this one. It's a bit of it's a very specific type of podcast. It's called the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, and it's all about wrestling figures. Now I don't own that many wrestling figures myself, just a few, you know, of my favorite wrestlers. But since I've been listening to this podcast, I've been bitten by the bug, and now like I find myself going to the shops and looking for figures and buying them ones online, and it's an addiction, man. So I think I better curb it. I better stop it, especially if I've got to pay a bunch to my insurance company for this excess. Oh, dude. This week on the podcast, I had a chat with Tim Henwood. Now, I've tried to organize a podcast with Tim for a, a number of times, but um, because he resides about an hour away from me, um, we had to arrange a, a meeting point which was uh, mutually, you know, about halfway for both of us. And as it turns out, that venue was Her Majesty's Theatre in Melbourne. Uh, Tim, as you'll hear, uh, is currently the guitar player for the uh, band in the musical School of Rock. So just after a a matinee performance, I got to meet Tim in the band room downstairs in the theatre. And we had a great chat. we get to hear uh, some amazing stories surrounding the craziness that surrounded him and the band that he was in um, in the noughties called The Androids and how while he was on tour in the UK, a bunch of fans were that keen to get an autograph from the band. They knocked down a fence just to get closer to their heroes. So stick around for that one. It is a doozy. Art of Turing is brought to you every single Tuesday. You can listen to Art of Turing on iTunes or on the Google Podcasts app on your Android device. And remember, Art of Turing is part of the A Lot of Green podcast network, and you can check out all their other awesome podcasts on that network at www.alotofgreen.com.au. There is a little bit of coarse language in this week's episode, so if you are listening with kids, it might be a good idea to throw on Bluey. Uh, and then once they're dropped off at daycare or the pool or their grandparents or wherever, wherever they're not, throw Art of Turing back on as to protect their precious little ears. Now let's take a moment to hear from this week's sponsor. Episode 38 of Art of Turing is brought to you by Sizz Dog's Phone Waiting Music. 
Do you own a company that needs to put your clients or your customers on hold for an extended period of time? Do you want to irritate your customer with the most benign and boring music ever? Then hire SizzDog to create custom phone waiting music. I'll compose for you a piece of music that will send your clients up the wall. And remember, we're having a special this week, but only if you're quick, you get two jingles for the price of one. How's that? SizzDog's phone waiting music, the only name in On Hold Music. Oh, yeah. You're still on hold. Deal with it. But at least you get to hear Sis Dog's waiting music. Keep waiting. Thank you for waiting. Uh, we do appreciate your time. And you know, we know your call is very important to us. Just keep on waiting and we'll be with you in just a moment. Thanks for waiting. Uh, Look, you know, while you're waiting, maybe just hang up and call back in not such a busy time. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. Just so you know, Art of Touring is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on your desktop, you can. You can just Google Art of Touring and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Before I get into my conversation with Tim, I'd like to share with you some of his music. This is a track by Palace of the King, and it's called I Am the Storm.
There we go. There's a sample of uh, Palace of the King. And now let's check out my conversation with Tim. And I'll uh, catch you on the other side. Here it is. Welcome to the Art of Touring, everybody. Uh, you are listening to uh, Dog here on the mic, and uh, sitting uh, in front of me is Mr. Tim Henwood. How are you, Tim? I'm great, thank you. Did you say Dog? The Dog. that's me, man. <laughs> I love it. The yeah. Dog. that's yeah. your wrestling name. That- <laughs> yeah? If I ever became a wrestler, definitely. I love I it. I would definitely the Dog. don the Dog as my wrestling persona. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone knows That's me good. as Dave, but uh, in, my mates call me Sis. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's just a nickname yeah. I was given um, when I first started teaching, actually. Okay. Yeah. One of um, one of my colleagues. It was, it was, it was weird. Like, uh, we, we all started calling each other dog. Like, what's up, dog? Hey, yeah, dog. Right, like, yeah. in, the, in the office. Yeah. And then it, it was... And I was already getting Caesar. Right. Dave Siriani, Scissor. Right. And then it just amalgamated into Sizz Dog and I just, I haven't been able to show I like it. it. So, now it's I good. just own it. Sizz Dog. Yeah. From now on, I'm going to call you Sizz Dog. That's I should have bet. signed you in as Sizz Dog at the door. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Yeah. Well, as you said, you signed me in at the door. We're not yep. sitting in Epping uh, as we usually do at the Art of Touring. Today, uh, we, have, uh, re- we are recording in the, the bowels of... Of Her Majesty's Theatre. Yes, it's very posh, isn't it? In Melbourne, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, because uh, Tim is, uh, at the moment, uh, playing guitar for the School of Rock Musical. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, which we'll get into very shortly, I'm mm. sure. Um, but yeah, we'll start the podcast stuff with uh, with the first question I ask all my uh, guests is, where are you from, mate? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne in a place called Laverton, mm-hmm. which is... Um, you know, not as far as Werribee, but further than Altona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bit of a rough area, but it was a good upbringing. I felt, yeah, I, I had a good time growing up there with my mates. It was good. Yeah, Laverton. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And where'd you go to school? Uh, I went to Laverton Primary and then Altona North Tech. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And did you play any instruments at primary school? Was there something like uh, that no, got started I, I really early? Remember. Yeah, I did. I, I played... Um, not at school, but I started guitar lessons when I was six, I think. Oh, wow. So, really young. I just had a drive to play guitar. I don't know what or why. Mm. I, I mean, I don't know where it came from. But so, I there's just, no musicians in your family at all? N- no. They were in, my, in the, my grandparents' generation, but that wasn't really uh, no one that I knew of as a little kid. Sure. So, um, yeah, I don't know why that happened. But um, I was just driven to play the guitar. Wow. Hassled mum till she finally- Caved. Yep, and let me start having lessons, mm. which had to be classical lessons, of course. Yeah, right. Because, you know, mum's like, well, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. Yes. We'll get you some classical lessons. So, yeah. I was learning from a guy called Bruce Miller down there in- uh, at, at first in Pier Street in Altona. Okay. And then we went to- uh, ended up learning- it. He, he moved to his house in Williamstown. Right. Yeah. So I had I've, I had lessons from, you know, the age of six until the age of, uh, I must have been eighteen, I reckon. Oh, so you continued all the way yep. through primary school and high school. Yeah. With the same teacher. Well, I had the same teacher until I got to my teenage years, and yes. then I really wanted to play rock music, and Bruce um, couldn't really help me with that. Sure. And uh, so I moved to another. 
teacher called Ray Smith, who was in Footscray and Werribee. Yeah. And he was a friend of Bruce's or an acquaintance of Bruce's. So, Bruce hooked me up with him and said, well, if you want to learn how to play, you know, Steve Vai and Eddie Van Halen and Joe Satriani, you know, you better, go to, you better go to him. <laughs> so, Ray was really good like that. He's an amazing guitarist. Yeah, right. Yeah, great teacher. So, I, but I had lessons all the way through. All the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Even, so, even when I started playing in bands around Melbourne, I was um, 12 and I was still having lessons all through that whole time. So you actually started playing music outside of school at the age of 12, like when you first got into high school. Yeah, my first gigs were um, around the age of 12 and they were like footy clubs and, yeah. um, you know, parties and all that sort of stuff. In sure. A, in a band. I was in a band with my brother's mates and my brother's um, four years older than me, so his mates were, you know, oh. in their teenage years and they, you know, so by the time I was, what, um, 14... I was in the band with him and they were driving cars and all that. So, oh, so it was great. Wow. It was quite a disconnect, but still. It's great. Yeah. It's it, great. it worked out really well for me. So because my brother would, um, he was allowed to be, I don't know if it's technically legally and allowed to be, but but apparently he was allowed to be my guardian. So right. if I had a gig, you know, um, the Tiger Lounge in Richmond, I think was my first pub gig in Melbourne when mm. I was 14. And so he was allowed to be my guardian because he was 18. Yes. So, um, and I was allowed to come in and play, but then I had to leave the venue or go out and be with my brother in the beer garden or something. Sure, yeah. was, Just don't go near the bar. Yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. it was it was quite funny, but it was it was good. My family were all supportive. My parents and well, already had another muso in the family, so it was like, oh, here's another one, I suppose. Here, what do you mean? Like your brother was already? Oh no, it was my brother's mates. Oh, but so it wasn't my brother. No. Oh, so he, oh he, so no. he was your guardian, but he was yeah, exactly. In the band. He was just hanging out with his mates. Like, oh, I'll come and see the band. Right. My little brother's in the band. Okay. Yeah. He, I, he, he did. I wanted him to be a musician. Yes. And he had drum lessons for a while. Sure. And I'm thinking, here we go. We're the next Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? My brother's going to be the drummer. I'm going to be the guitarist. Yeah. But he, he, um, he got bored with the practice pad. Sure. They, um, they wouldn't let him play on the drum kit. And he just got sick of it and yeah. quit. I would have, I would have loved to have, for him to have been the drummer. Yeah, yeah that would be yeah. great. Wow. Yeah, it's always it's. See, I actually have a, a little bit of a, a, a different experience because I'm the well similar, but my brother was a musician and so yep. not anymore. Mm. Uh, but he was a bass player growing up. Yep. And I, I was just attracted to music. And my mum's a guitar teacher. Oh, yeah? So, I kind of was, cool. you know, didn't have any choice really. Yeah. Um, but I, I found singing really easy all the way through, you know, primary yeah. and secondary school. And then when I eventually did um, choose an instrument, I chose the drums. Right. And, you know, practice and practice. And, and But I found I could always sing better than yeah. the, the, you know, the singer. Singing's your thing. Right. It was my thing. Yeah. I, I was fighting it for too long, you know. Yeah. So, eventually I gave up the sticks and started singing. Yeah. Um, and my brother... Uh, he kept playing bass, you know, up until he left school and all that. But then um, he he quit basically. Yeah. He started. He kept playing for a little bit, but similar thing. Like your, your brother, like he, he gave it a try, but it didn't really stick with him. Yeah. It didn't stick with my brother either. And, and yeah. So now, um, yeah, I'm the only muso in the family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Other than my mum, who can still play guitar, and my my brother still plays yeah. everything, but doesn't gig or anything. Does like your mum still teach? No, not anymore. It's yeah. unfortunate. She, I wish she she, she did. Um, uh, but no, that's I have such memories growing up, like of people, kids and adults coming into the house, mm. and you know, mum giving them guitar lessons. Yeah, right. Isn't that great? Yeah, it was pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. 
It's funny you say that about the singing thing because uh, I was desperate to be a singer, but I just couldn't. Like, because I was in, you know, in that sort of period of time where your voice is breaking and yeah. all that, and 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 I just wasn't a naturally good singer when I was when I was a kid, and so I was. I really wanted to be. I always wanted to be the singer when I was playing guitar, mm. uh, and I always had singers. And then it's just once once I was sort of about eighteen, I just started forcing myself to start getting better at it and i was always i was also um i don't know if this has affected you but i was i was really i i suffered nerves really badly back then when i was younger yeah um my early teens trying to get on stage so i think it was easier to play guitar than it was to be the singer you know what i mean behind (laughs) you a little bit really yeah yeah yeah. but uh but yeah i i was just kind of just bludgeoned myself into being the singer Mm. really like and and it's good to have the two things, I guess. Yeah. I mean, when Palace first started, um, I was only singing, not playing guitar. Right. Because there were two guitarists in the band. Didn't need anyone else to play guitar. Mm. I might play a bit of acoustic or something. But but, but these days, obviously, the lineup's changed and um, I'm playing guitar and singing. So, but it's kind of like the, the guitar comes and goes and I'm, yeah. I'm always the singer in the, in this band. In so, that band, yeah. Yeah. And in other bands, I just play guitar. It's a, It's a nice thing. Sometimes I enjoy that. That's cool, man. Sometimes I enjoy just. Playing I really guitar. only have the um the as as the one instrument is the voice for me. Mm, you're exceptional at it. It's oh. very you're really good at it. That's super cool of you to say, man. Thank you. You, would, so you much. don't think you could pull the sticks out? And do you think you'd be able to do a gig with the drums? Yeah. No. Oh, look. As a teacher, I have to swap over on guitar, bass, drums, yep. vocals. If the kid is sick or or doesn't show up to the show, I have to kind of fill in mm-hmm. um, and just do the the. But as far as actually, you know, really playing a professional gig, yep. there's no way. No, no, I couldn't. I don't think I could do it unless I literally just stopped singing altogether and just you know spent a whole you know twelve months. If in you the applied yourself room. to it, yeah, I yeah. probably could if I applied mm-hmm. myself. But yeah, I think. Um, yeah, it would it would be a, a big learning curve. My goodness. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I mean, it's funny you mentioned that about the 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 singing versus the guitar playing, mm-hmm. where you were saying that you know you you felt a lot more comfortable on the axe. Yeah, and you kind of had to bludgeon yourself into being the the singer. It was kind of like that for me on the guitar. Yeah, right. Like when when I first um started my first band, the Pass Outs, I got two guitar players so that I didn't have to play guitar. Right. You know? Yeah. And then eventually I, I picked it up because songwriter, you write your songs on the guitar. Yeah. But it was very much like, oh, now I have to play this thing. Uh, I would rather put it down. Yeah. And just it have It can the, get in the way. It can get in the yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. So. I find it gets in the way. I, don't, I shouldn't. It sounds negative. I find, because I'm firstly a guitarist, mm. that- um, you know, most most singers who play guitar don't really care about the guitar. Right, yeah. They're like, ah, just bash it out. It's yes. all about what I'm singing. Yes, yes. You know, whereas when I'm singing, it I've got the opposite going on. It's yeah. all about what I'm playing. On the guitar. Yeah, and yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm the singing's just off the cuff. The singing's just, so I've got to remind myself not to do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Focus on the singing. Yeah. And the, let the guitar just happen. Right. But, um, I, I you know, I'll get right into the the real subtleties of the guitar and what I'm doing and yeah. locking in and blah, blah, blah. And, and the singing is just coming out and I'm not even thinking about it. It's like, no, 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 no. Get back to focusing on that, you yeah. know, which has been the great thing about with Palace of the King, obviously, because I've been singing. I, I did that for years before I started playing guitar in the band. Mm. So um, it was really good for my singing and it was really good for me for the, for, for me to work, hone my craft as a singer. Yes. 
because I didn't have anything else to what concerned me or think about. It was just, just concentrate on that and be really good at that. Yeah. And so now I find I'm almost, I'm almost, uh, I've almost got it to a point where the guitar's just coming out, whatever, and I'm focusing on the singing. That's cool. And if someone says to me, you know, how does that go? I go, I don't know. Ask the guy, one of the musos. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just <laughs> yeah. the singer. I yeah, kind of yeah, I've yeah. evolved into that kind of, in that role of yeah. in that band, you know. It's kind good. Of, it's like an in, innate kind of thing. It is. Like muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a cool thing, man. I really enjoy it. Um, and so, yeah, you're 12, 13, 14 years old, playing with your brother's mates in these, in these pubs and clubs around Melbourne. Mm-hmm. What was the name of that band? It was called Sapphire. Sapphire. Yeah, man. That's a cool name. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. In hindsight. Yeah. I love hearing the first band names. Yeah, They're always it's funny. Either hilariously ridiculous or yeah. like actually kind of cool. And like, yeah. actually, I could see that in Beat Magazine today. Like, that, I wouldn't slip past it going, nah. that's a stupid name. You yeah, know well, I mean? now it's probably okay. But there was a time there was a silly name. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't but remember when it was. that was very of the time, though. It was, yeah, this yeah. was, what, 1990 something? Uh, no, it's probably talking about 80s. Yeah. Sapphire. It's kind of a 70s name, I reckon, don't you reckon? I kind of, yeah, a little Sapphire, bit. Yeah. yeah, a little bit 70s sounding. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, we love, we, we all grew up as metalheads and yeah, into yeah. hard rock. and Yeah. yeah. And I, I you know, got, garnered all my musical knowledge from my brother and his mates and their record collections. And mm. I was a, What kind a, of music did you yeah, listen to, like, growing up? All, all the stuff that they put me onto. So, I mean, I was a massive Kiss fan and they kind of weren't really into Kiss. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, ACDC and Roast Hadoo and, yeah. you know, later on I got into um, Metallica. Yeah. They, that was a bit, they were a bit, um, they weren't into Metallica, those guys, so much. But they were into Motorhead and Iron Maiden and oh, wow. it, was, it, was, it was all metalhead stuff. Metal stuff. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. great. Yeah, rooted yeah. in that real like metal rock kind yeah, of. Yeah, and then area. I sort of grew out of that into the bluesy. You know, I got into Stevie Ray Vaughan and oh, okay, cool, and you know, and and Hendrix and, and yeah, but obviously all the classic Sabbath and Zeppelin and, mm. and and all that stuff was always there for everyone. And yeah, yeah. but it's hard rock and metal. That's it. Yeah, far out. My um, brother had a really good record collection. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, see, and a great I, stereo too. I, we, I was in that that weird pocket because I was born in 1980, mm-hmm. so records were just getting on the outs, and it was yeah, CDs, the, the yeah. CD was mm-hmm. the the thing, you know. So we did have records in the house, yep. but we didn't really listen to them. It was all about CDs. Yeah, of course it was, and it was the new yeah. technology, and it was ah, oh, yeah. and they don't go. No, so I kind of miss that. Yeah, and my brother, um, as as an adult, he bought a vinyl player, but he never actually started collecting records. Eventually, he gave me his record player because he wasn't using it. And now I've become this vinyl junkie. And you come to my house, I've got this, you know, those IKEA bookshelves. Yep, I've got a whole thing just. Full of vinyl. Full of vinyl. Fantastic. And, and then in the studio, like boxes, like overflow. <laughs> Unreal. And so all these albums that I had only ever heard of, or heard on CD, yeah. or some that I'd never even heard. Yeah. Because, you know, you can only listen to so much music, right? Yeah. And so that when you eventually go, okay, I'm going to get into Pink Floyd now, and you buy Dark Dark Side of the Moon, yeah. I'm like, sweet, I've got it on vinyl. You drop the knee, you're like, holy shit. Now, that's one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. But before I bought a vinyl player, I'd never even heard it. Right. You know, because it was just a generational thing. Like, yeah. My, my folks were more into, like, Dire Straits, yeah. Zeppelin, yeah. Um, uh, Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I kind of felt like I had a, 
a, a, a, mus- a re-musical education yeah. after I actually started collecting yeah, right. vinyls. Yeah, it's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah, it's yeah. funny how that tactile thing affects it. Although, just last weekend, I've been slowly coming around to the to the Spotify idea, right? Yeah. I know the practicalities aren't kind of ironed out as far as how musicians and songwriters and are going to make any money. Any coin, yeah. yeah but yeah. but put that to one side, as even yeah. though it's very important. Put it to one side. Yeah. And we just we were driving the Palace of the King. We had a couple of gigs in Sydney, and we were driving, and we had to. G- divert around the floods that happened up there on the Hume, oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it took us an extra couple of hours. But we just started going. We went on this Sabbath trip. So we went, somehow we we were, we were just started listening to this album, this Black Sabbath album with this singer. I can't remember his name. I'd never heard of. Hmm. And he, I think they made like four albums with this guy, right? I'm like, I'd never heard this album before. So we went, right, uh, I, I, you know, I obviously know about the Dio Sabbath albums, which are unreal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Aussie albums. I didn't realise there were so many Aussie albums before the Dio albums. Anyway, so we went, right, let's go back to the start. Yeah. And we listened to all the Aussie Sabbath albums. Sure. And then we went to the Aussie solo albums, the first ones with Randy Rhodes. Okay. We had enough time to do this, by the way. Of course, going so, to Sydney. Yeah. And, and, you know, back then, a vinyl album's 40 minutes. Yeah. So we listened to all the, all the Sabbath with Auss- Aussie. Then we listened to the first two solo Aussie albums, and then we went, right, so while those two albums are happening and Aussie's becoming huge, bigger than Sabbath ever were, mm. let's go and figure out, you know, what they were doing. And obviously, we've, we've all listened to the Dio Sabbath albums, but not in a long time. We put those two on. So, at the same time, the I guess like David Lee Roth and Van Halen, mm. they were both making great albums. Yeah. Those, those Dio Sabbath albums are unreal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and then, we're, and then there's a there's – a, and then the Deep Purple Sabbath crossover happens where you've got Glenn Hughes in both bands at some time. Far and out. Ian Gillen is the singer in Sabbath for one album. Yeah. And it, it's just this crossover musicians. Incestuous stuff going bizarreness. on. Yeah. But my point is – I could, we could just go and go through the whole Sabbath catalogue, yeah. like like that, yeah. on Bluetooth in the car, on Spotify. Yeah. Now, if you like, have you got that CD? Oh no, I don't have it. No, exactly. What so you, it's so accessible now. Me, I mean, that's that's a, a really good thing. I think. Yeah. The accessibility of it, I think. And does that outweigh how the musos are being? You know, well, it paid? doesn't outweigh it. No, because if you don't, if the musicians aren't getting paid, the the quality of the music will suffer. Yes, right. You'd have to be you obviously, know, you know, streaming a shit ton to even see anything of it. Yeah, except for an independent band. If like if you're an independent band, like yeah. your bands or my bands, right? Yeah. You actually make the money's okay from streaming. Problem is, you're not getting as many streams. Yes. So. If you're an independent band who's getting a million streams, you'll actually make some coin. Well, yeah, that'd be amazing. But yeah, yeah. It's hard to get a million streams, streams when you're an independent, independent band. But if you've got a label, yeah, they're going to take all the streaming all the money and give you a little anyway. bit. Yeah. So it's, okay. it's it, you know, I hope they sort it out because I think that just the it's just the technology is really good and the sound quality is great. Yeah. And you can go any Have you ever heard that record? No, I haven't. Let's put it on. Let's throw Bam, it on. It's on. It's there. Yeah. 
Well, some, but isn't there like some artists that don't, aren't on Spotify? Some, yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah, it's it's all there. Yep. There Crazy, was, there, I think there was a time where ACDC weren't on. I'm not, I'm not sure if they are now, but yeah, I yeah. know there was a time where they, no, they are not on now, but they, there was a time where they weren't. Because I know I did search for some artists that I was like, oh, they'll be on Spotify. And I'm like, oh, there's nothing there. Yeah. I think it was like Tool or something. I right. Oh, there you go. Right. Yeah, and they're not there. Okay. So some well, artists- that, that might be their way of rebelling. Possibly. Yeah. Or they might have their own, well, some bands have their own streaming service. <laughs> Shit, really? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, you go to my streaming service. This is the one I want yeah. you to go to because I get a better deal on that yeah. one. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You know. I, I, I would assume that, um, and, and here's the other thing, right? People blame Spotify. It's not Spotify that are the problem. No. Because the money that Spotify are paying, Spotify aren't making a lot of money. Yeah, right. They're not making, they're paying, what they're paying is is pretty good. Yeah. Problem is just, the, it's none of it's getting to us. Yeah, right. It's all going to the label. Yeah, yeah, the music are problem. kind of losing it's not, out. It's not the problem. Spotify aren't the problem. No. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. a, well, that's why you know we're living in a weird time. The 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 musos that are getting those you know billions of streams or whatever, they're making their coin on the road. They're totally. making the coin on the yeah. merch and, and yeah. the, the the listening of the music has gone from what you, you used to be able to make money off. Yeah, but now it's not. It's it's more yep. about the live experience, which is back back to like it was when the Beatles first started and Johnny mm. Cash and mm. even Led Zeppelin. You know, which I think you'll find were a big part of what changed it all. Yeah. Um, they, those bands weren't making money off record sales. It was all about touring. Yeah. And it says like that now. That's it. I just kind of think, well, it's just like the it's 70s a, now. It's, it's the a, same. Just think we're a 70s band. You've got to make your money playing live and yeah. the records promote the gigs. There you go. So And so you um, you mentioned, yeah, you're in Sapphire. Yeah. And um, where did you go from there after you graduated high school? Like who did you start playing with when you first left school? Uh, so after Sapphire, I was trying to put another band together um, I was thinking about singing, couldn't really get it together, mm. and and put another band called Delta Moon Drivers together. Cool. And we were doing um, gigs around around Melbourne with um, like Jimmy the Human and Spectre Seven, and and there was a band called Twenty One Guns, which became Horsehead. Okay. Um, so yeah, and we do heaps of our own gigs. We like. I like playing live, so we used to do a lot of gigs, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, probably at least a hundred gigs a year. Wow! And and that that sort of evolved into um, that was that time where people are deciding are they going to be musicians or full time musicians or not. Yes, and and I went, I am. Yeah, and the other guys didn't. Sure, and so that band. Um, Eventually dissolved, and then I was trying to put a new another band, band together, together, and then um, which which became Plasticine. Okay, and then that became the Androids. Yep. But in between that, I I joined um, out out of Plasticine. I joined the Super Jesus. So yeah, those right. bands were kind of coexisting for a while. Okay, but even before that, while I was around the Plasticine time. And before the Super Jesus, I was asked. I started getting asked to play guitar with people. Yes. Um, so, some of, you know, like the first time I toured Australia was with James Rain. You know, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I was nineteen or something. And wow, and that so was a really big thing. got into the industry at that level quite young. Yeah. Well, I guess it was just because I'd been doing it. Luckily for me, my brother's older mates mm. were were 
I was gaining all this experience by hanging around with them rather than people my own age. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? I kind of got fast-tracked. Yes. So I was practicing a lot, but it doesn't matter if you're 13 and you're practicing a lot with your 13-year-old mates, there's only so much you can do. You can get good. Yeah. There's only so much you can do. Suddenly, if you're 13 or 14 and you're in a band with a bunch of 18-year-olds, you're playing in pubs. Yeah. And you're doing gigs anywhere. It doesn't matter where it is. And you're rehearsing anywhere you want. Well, you're just just riding that wave. Like, they've got the car. They've got the contacts to book all the shows. That's right. Where do I go? That's right. I'm just a kid. Yeah. Yeah. My brother would take me most of the time. Or the guys in the band would take me. You know, uh, Glenn, who I'm still friends with. I'm still friends with all of them now. Yeah, yeah. They would drive me around. You know, I was very... In hindsight, I was very lucky. Yeah. So, so I guess that just I, you could basically, obviously, you know, you have to practice your craft as you know very well, mm. and you have to get good at it to get offered opportunities. Yeah. But the experience counts for just as much as your practicing of your craft. Oh, yeah. Um. Most definitely. And all the experience I ga- I gained from playing with those guys meant that I could get into these. I was ge- I was getting like, these opportunities mm. and thankfully um making them work for me mm. when i was yeah very young very young yeah. yeah yeah um and so yeah you mentioned the uh the super jesus and the androids i actually saw the androids did you play um it was for a of you remember that channel v yep they had like a a, a live um, oh in a park outdoor park yeah, yeah, geek. right. And yeah, you guys yeah, were that. doing the, um, you know, do it with Madonna yeah. track. And they had like the bus. They had a bus, they had the a Channel bus. V bus. Yes. Yeah, and Andrew that. G had these Andrew G strings they were selling. That was the gimmick, yeah? Right. And so my wife bought one as, as a laugh. Right. You know? Yeah. And um, they, they put the camera on us. Right. And they go, check it out. Someone's bought a G-banger. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> and then I think it was Andrew G who said... Um, I th- why's a bloke bought my G string? Because the camera went on me <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, right. And I was like, no, it's. And I'm pointing at my wife. No, yeah, it's right. her. It's her. And so she yeah. holds it up. You know? Yeah, it was a classic. But that was um, that was a ripper gig, man. I remember that song. Um, I, I love that song, man. That was such <laughs> oh, a great, thanks, mate. Great it was a big track. hit. It was kind yeah. of a blessing and a curse, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, we had a whole album finished. Yeah, and that song it was that you know the record company thing let's put it out now first yeah. for summer it's going to be a hit yeah 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 and i even went in there like in a room like this and just said i know but if you do that you're going to screw the rest of the album up yeah you right let, let us let us have some other songs first you know and then hit yeah with the banger. no yeah. no no it'll be fine it'll be fine oh, well obviously yeah. i was right yeah but at the same time um you know <clears throat> i could have stood my ground probably and i didn't feel confident enough to do that yeah, were you giving this op- get, getting this opportunity to? And it was a great opportunity, and we, you know, we travelled the world, and, and it was a, you know, it was a hit in England, and it, yeah, it, it wasn't a massive hit in America, but it did well in America. Wow, and, yeah, and a lot of other European countries, and so so we had a great time, a great experience, and we were all good friends, and yeah, um, but yeah, it didn't sort of it could have panned out better, I guess, with better management, but uh, mm. it's, it's always easy in hindsight. It could have worked great and been fine. We could, we, you know, we might be sitting here now, and that's all I've ever done since. Yeah, you and it was don't huge. Know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard to, and when you're in the moment, it's hard to know. But yeah, I remember that yeah. gig. Yeah. Uh, you know why I remember that gig? Why because I got reminded of it by um, Anthony, uh, 
who was the Anthony Troiano was is the I don't know if you know Anthony. He's the, no. He was the first drummer in Palace of the King. Okay, and uh, and one day he pulled this photo out and he said, "Look, this is when I met you at that gig." No shit. And it's him as a kid yes. with his sister. <laughs> and uh, you know that because that because I don't know how old he would have been. You know, like. 13 or 14 yeah, or it was yeah. classic that is so and cool. I went oh, I remember that gig and he goes yeah 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 oh, I met you there I was so excited now we're in a band together man it was, yes. it was classic <laughs> that is so cool yeah it man. was funny that's awesome yeah, how good was Channel V by the way that was really it was cool unreal thing. yeah I remember coming to the city as like a 17 18 yeah. year old um, because they put a call out uh, for a, a, a video host oh yeah and I was like, oh, I'll, and yeah. I, did, I didn't know, but they'd been promoting this for months on Channel V. Right. I didn't have cable TV. No. Someone right. just told me about it. Like, oh, Dave, you'd be good at this. You should yep. go and do yep. that. So I, I show up and it would, I remember the auditions were down at the um, the the Metro. Yep. Which is now apartment yep. buildings, unfortunately. Yep. Um, and the line was around the block. Right. For auditions. And I was okay. like, oh, great. Yeah. yeah everyone is, wanted it. Everyone wanted it. Yeah. And, and uh, Andrew G got it. Oh, is that when he got that, it? That's him. Oh, wow. He, he was the one who they would, well, one of the guys okay. they, they booked from that time. Well, there you go. Yeah, it was pretty wild. Yeah, he's very good. Good bloke, too. Yeah, no, nah, he, he he's a big Kiss gig, fan man. as well. Is he really? Yeah. 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 I actually interviewed a very big Kiss fan on Monday, uh, Danny Slaverio mm-hmm. from um, Kiss Troyer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and obviously, uh, that was great talking to him about his passion for that band. Um, and, uh, Oh, there you go. Small world, man. Small world. Um, and so, yeah, you found this success with um, with do it with Madonna and the yep. Androids, and you got to. Was there any like touring stories from that time that you'd like to share with that band? Well, the, we actually did some great touring. We 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 did. Believe it or not, that I think that's probably the most. There was one year where with the Androids we did three hundred gigs. Wow! Yeah, that was insane, and. Um, it was it was nuts. So we were working really hard, but the best tour we did was England. We toured around England in, a, in our own tour bus. So we were sleeping on the bus. Oh, that's cool. It was unreal. Yeah, yeah, unreal. And uh, and it was we didn't have a big road crew or anything. No, but we had our bus and our gear was under the bus. It was a massive, big, you know, nightliner yeah. bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh man, it was so good because you would you would do the gig. It mm-hmm. was it would always be nuts. The gigs were unreal. And then the song's all over the radio. Exactly. It was yeah. a big hit in and, England. And people were like, oh, we'll just go see that band with that song. Yeah. And, and strangely, it was really, like, hot. in Australia, we didn't know that because it was, you know, it wasn't like the internet wasn't then wasn't like it is now. No. And and we we were, we didn't really know. Like we, we were sort of trying to find out. So, you know, are the gigs going to be okay? Should yeah. we go? Like, should we even go? I don't know. Is it going to be all right? Yeah. And, um, and we ended up going, oh, we'll just go, fingers crossed. And we get there and the first gig's packed. And the second gig's packed. And then all the gigs are packed. packed. And we're like, ah, oh, right. You know, Shit. I mean, like, this is, um, if we, were, we did a gig in uh, Oxford. And we were, speaking of the Metro, right? We're yeah. in the upstairs room, like the big, as big as, about as big as the Metro. We were upstairs. And then, and, and the week before, Jet had been down in the public bar. Ah. So it was that time where obviously <laughs> it all panned out a bit different. Jet ended up being really huge. But yeah. we we were like we're at this point thousands of kids are coming to gigs. We had a we did a gig at um 
like a skater. There was this big gig at the O2 Arena. Oh, really? And it was a skater event. So they had like a skate park set up. And the, mm, like the X Games or something. Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And there was a lineup of bands as well. Mm. And then after the after we finished playing, we walked off stage and around the back and they were all kids wanting autographs. I sound like I'm bragging, but it's just a hilarious story. Mm-hmm. And they had like these massive um, uh, cyclone fences up, right? So we go over there and we're trying to do the right thing. Because we were, we'd love to sign the stuff for you. Yeah, yeah. So we start signing and then they start stampeding and then the fence comes down and they're all running into where the buses are all parked with all the bands. And oh, shit. It was like, oh. So the security were like, get out of here. Oh, my God. There was stuff like that going on left, right and centre. It was nuts. Wow, that is nuts. Played on Top of the Pops and all these English TV shows. and Yeah. It was insane. That is so and cool, And, like, man. the morning news TV shows, we'd be on there. and Yeah, yeah. It was just uh, it was a weird time in a good way. And it makes me sort of – I get kind of melancholy now when I go to England, when I go to London. Yeah. So, I remember that and how right on the edge we were. Right, We were right on the edge mm. of it, of doing what we all dreamt of doing when we were kids. Yeah. Right, and we were kind of were doing it, but it was only yeah. one song. I'd rather it was an album and years career, right? Sure. So, yeah. right on the edge, and then we. Well, now I go back there, and I think, God, I was so close. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, many of us don't even get that, man. Yeah, like that one song, you know. Yeah. No, look, it was a great time, but, but so now when we go there with Palace, obviously, yeah. it's it's which has always been, uh, the slow, for me. It's been the slow burn right. from the start. Yes. Right. We're just, we're going to do this. We're going to do it slowly. We're going to do it properly. Yeah. We're not going to do anything that anyone, if we don't believe it's the right thing to do, we won't do it. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Mm. It's easy. It's easy. I'm trying to take what I've learned from the past and just apply it to- Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And build a, build a real live audience- over a long period of time who loved the band. and Yeah, man. That's what all the great bands that are still touring around now did. Yes. You know? Yeah. It wasn't like a big song on the radio that made them. No. The song on the radio helps, though. Yes. Even ACDC were trying to get songs on the radio so they could get more people to get into the band. And so they could just have it as a sustainable thing. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But but it's all about live touring. Uh, Mm. Far out, man. Uh, we can hear Stevie Nicks in the background there if you could hear that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one of the scenes in the show. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's talk about it. So, yeah. So, you, you go the androids and yep. then uh, where does Rogue Traders fit into the story? Mm. So, before the androids was um, the Super Jesus. Yeah. And then after the Super Jesus comes the androids. And then after the androids comes the Rogue Traders. Um, because simply because we got to a point where um, things had slowed down for the androids, mm. and I was and and our record company went out of business. Festival Mushroom Records went out of business. Ah, oh, for the androids? No, they just they went out of business. The label went out of business. Okay, and they and they got moved like their catalog got moved around to other labels. Yes, we didn't get picked up. Um, so we we didn't have a record deal. Touring had quietened down. The song wasn't on the radio. And the Rogue Traders thing, they were friends of mine. Um, the Rogue Traders manager, Smiley, um, English guy, big teeth, Smiley. Uh, <laughs> he 
he was the tour manager, my first tour manager when I played with James Rain. Right. So when I was a kid, he was the first tour manager, took me under his wing, looked after me. Yeah. They needed someone to play guitar with the Rogue Traders. And he came and said, how would you, you know, would you like to do this? Yeah. At the last minute kind of things. And I went, yeah, why not? I've got nothing else on at the moment. Sure, yeah. So I started doing that and then it became huge and yeah. totally by accident. Far out. And then uh, did that for a while. And then through that, because that was on Sony, mm. um, Sony wanted to do something with me. And then we did another Androids record. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. So we had a meeting and I played them some songs and and they said, uh, we want to do a record. What do you want it to be? Is it what? Is it a new band? Is it the Androids? Is it Tim Henwood? And I said, I think it should be the Androids. I feel like we didn't finish what we started. Yeah. Um, which is probably a mistake, but I really wanted to make sure I saw it through. Yes. And, and out of loyalty to the other guys too. We all put a lot of work in and time and effort, and we were all disappointed with how things had panned out. Well, I mean, the, the record company folds, and then yeah. you're a, um, you know, a, a, a victim, I suppose, of, of that happening. Yeah, and, but also, you know, obviously, because things had gone a bit pear-shaped with the other singles hadn't worked as well as do it with Madonna and oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, it was yeah, kind of yeah. like, there's a whole heap of issues. So you're like, oh, let's see if we can get that one yeah, back. Yeah, let's get whatever. it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I decided that was the best way to go. Yeah, cool. So we tried mm. and um, we toured with Pink. Oh, yeah. Which was like her, the I'm Not Dead tour. So it was a massive tour. Yeah. Like three months on the road or something. Was, was that something. like right when she was starting? Just when she went really big. So it was yeah. it was arenas and everything. Yeah, yeah. What was she? It was her like first big tour of Australia. Work. She was great. She was really like nice. Yeah, and cool. her band were great. Sweet. Um, yeah. And so we, yeah, we thought, wow, we're back. Yeah. We, we're back on the road. This and, will be the first step to kind yeah, of getting back. Yeah, into- and the, and the single was doing okay, and yeah, we had a great album in the can, and uh, the tour was fantastic, and she. Um, Pink really included us in everything, and you know, like in the, um, if everyone was going out to for a for a function or an event or something, we would get invited, and yeah, 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 it was really nice. It was a great, great nice. tour, yeah. And um, so we did that tour, and the single wasn't a big enough hit apparently for the label. So, mm. and you know, Sony are about big hits. It's got to be a big hit mm. for for See, Sony but, to but get, really get behind really, it. That really, um, it's. I mean, coming from someone who doesn't really know much about that mm. world, right? For me, it's like, hang on a minute. So th- here's a label, and they put all this money into producing and recording this this song, and then obviously they're, they're getting the song on the radio. Mm-hmm. You know, H- how does it become a hit? Is it because it's on the radio, and then people like the song that they've just heard on the radio, and then go buy the record? Or well, I guess that is it, isn't it's, it? It is it. Yeah, that, that is, is it. it. Uh, ultimately, you've got. They can manufacture. Just, just getting it on the on the radio doesn't mean it's going to be a success. Doesn't, and they can manufacture so much. Yeah. Right. And then there's a there's a point where it has to be organic. Yes. You know what I mean? It has to really speak to the. It people. has to. It has to actually be really selling. Or yeah. they can manufacture something for longer and to a bigger level if mm. they want to. Yeah. And they like do really that sometimes. Nurture it sometimes. Well, so, no, manufacture it. Oh, manufacture it. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. they will. Not just Sony, all labels. I'm talking about all labels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they'll just keep pumping money into it until it bloody well works. Until it works, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And other things, they will 
spend the money up the front, do what they have to do to get it on the radio, pay for the film clip, pay for the record, blah, blah, blah. And the photos, you know, everything, yeah. tour support. If people aren't picking it up, if it's on the radio and people aren't buying it organically, mm. usually they'll go, right, okay, this is, we're going to spend, we're going to waste money if we keep putting money into this thing. Yes. And they'll pull their resources from that and they'll put it into something else. Yes. And sometimes they get accidental things that accidentally work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like my understanding of, um, uh, Peter Andre, for instance. Sure. My understanding of that is that, did, that no one expected it to work. <laughs> and then it, it ended up huge. And they're like, what, the f- what, what happened here? Oh, this is <laughs> working. Peter had like an eight pack. Of course it worked. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and he's doing really well in England now, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's but anyway, yeah. It, there's no, you know, mate, it's such a yeah. weird, weird world. Weird, weird kind of, um, uh, you know, magic fairy dust, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. sometimes things work that you don't... Like the road traders, I never th- thought that was going to be as, as huge as it was. Yeah, right. I was, uh, and then it was, and I went, okay, wow. Yeah. And it was almost like, I wondered if it was something to do with my um, my nonchalance. If I was kind of like going, if I was oh, so I really relaxed. Want this work. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. sometimes I think you can turn that against yourself. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. I often wonder about that. That is interesting, actually. Desperation. Like, desperation is the worst, worst thing you can do. Yeah. If people pick up that you're desperate, mm, you should they just go like, the other this, way. It, you dig this, great. If you don't, whatever. Yeah. And then when you're least expecting it, yeah. you know, it's um, like I, uh, I've i been looking, change the subject a little bit, but I've been looking for a cat for uh, uh, about six months because mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm a father of twin girls. Yeah. I've got a girl cat in the house as well. Yep. Obviously, my wife is a girl. Obviously. Obviously. So, there's just <laughs> girls everywhere. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I need like a, a lad in the house. You know, there's yeah. too much estrogen. And I was looking for a cat for about right. six months. Mm-hmm. Couldn't, couldn't fucking find one. Right. Right. And then uh, I was taking my kids over to my mum and dad's place. We weren't meant to be there yet. We were there early. We were tra- walk, uh, driving around Eltham. And my daughter says, oh, why don't we... Go, there's a pet store, Dad. Won't we go in there? I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. Go in there, find a bloody cat. Yeah, right. And he's like the best yeah. little guy in the universe. Classic. And he's he, and he's coming because I'd given up. Yeah, well, that, and that's why you found him. And then we found him. <laughs> so because you gave up, because I gave up. So maybe I, hopefully, you know, because I was talking to you earlier about my um, current band situation, how I'm, you know, musically single, so, yeah. so to speak, yeah. and it's been like that. Uh, for a couple of months and it's the first time really in my musical career that I've been in this situation mm-hmm. in a long time. Maybe I just need to just not look for people. Yeah. And maybe they'll just come to Let me. Let it come to you. The universe will supply itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who yeah. Knows? It usually happens when you just relax. Exactly. When you but you've got to be open. That's, yeah. that's what happened with Palace for me. Yeah. Right. Well, you I tell just, me about that. I was just open. Yeah. I just was... I. I was trying to put bands together and mm-hmm. I did a few things and yeah. was always recording and writing and oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Yeah. And then um, and the Palace guys approached me mm. and said, hey, we've got a band. We don't have a singer. Would you be interested? Mm. And we've got some music with no singing on it. Yep. We'll send it over to you. And I went, yeah, send it over. Why not? But because I was open, um, it made me kind of – at least not close it down, not shut them down. Yes. You know what I mean? And then I got I got the music and I said to them, and I was thinking in the back of my mind, I don't even know if I said it to them, but I was thinking in the back of my mind, even if I'm not into it, mm. I might be able to find 
someone for them, you know, yeah. or someone, a mutual friend, or I might recommend someone or help them just record their stuff. You anyway, know, mm. I got the music and loved it. Mm. And I went, all right, uh, I'm definitely into this. Yeah. yeah. And being young dudes, I was like, yeah, because, uh, you know, like, I just really want to work hard all the time. And so it's a bit hard to find people who are wanting to work hard all the time, even young dudes. But, yeah, but yeah. at least with young guys who are, haven't got a lot of responsibilities, it makes life simpler, right? Yes, yes. So I, that's my logic. And I just went, and I love the music. And I went, right, this is, I'm going to throw myself into this. Nice. Yeah, and then I don't think they know what, knew what hit them. Yeah. <laughs> suddenly we're working our asses off and driving all over the country. country and, yeah. 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 Oh, brilliant. Yeah. It's been hard, hard yards, but great. Really rewarding. Oh, it's great stuff. I, I was um I was watching uh the clip for um it was like an animated clip. Yeah, we've got two. So the new one is Get Right with Your Maker. That was the one. Yeah. 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 Oh no, maybe it wasn't. It was, it was I Am the, the Storm. I Am the Storm. That was the yeah. one I was I was checking mm-hmm. out. That's off the last album. Uh, off the new album. Yeah, yeah. Who did the animation for that? They're called uh it's a couple, a husband and wife called Glendon and Isabella. Okay. They're in Israel. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. And I found them on a website. I just was searching for film clip ideas because you can find websites where there's people who are um, pitching ideas. Yes. Like, so if you've got a song um, and you want someone to make a film clip for it, there's there's websites you can find people who would be interested in pitching an idea to you. Ah. Right? And, and, and so you send them, you, you just find their links you go i like what they've done for you know i think they've done a clip for dizzy death rays or something right and i really liked it yeah yeah and i went okay so i sent them a message Mm. and they said you know and i said here's my budget and they said well send us the song Mm. sent them the song they loved it and then that's how they made i am the storm and they also made the film clip for our new song um get right with your maker Mm. same same couple they're unreal yeah 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 the animation was really interesting yeah um and i really liked the way um, they kind of danced around the the idea of like showing a little bit of like nudity on mm. that that female character, mm-hmm. but but nothing like too crazy. Yeah, it was it was it was kind of hinting, um, and it was kind of like cheeky. It was really cool. I yeah. really dug it. Yeah, yeah, very accessible. Yeah, and they're they're kind of it's funny though, like trying to you try to promote those clips on Facebook and Instagram, you can't. Even though you know it's just like, like every even with a tiny little bit of nudity. Ah, yeah. But, but even even our too, too even our album cover um, has oh, got it's, yeah. it's totally covered up. But it's got the outline. Yeah, and so uh, because it infers that. Yeah, they they they're like no no you can't. No. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a the bit of a nanny. Female kind of- form is so scary. <laughs> Yeah, you know? yeah, it's pretty. It's silly, not like we're, it? we're not being sleaze bags or anything. No, weird. See, I, for my the first album I did with the Pass Outs, I got this yeah. guy called Chris Wall to do the artwork, and yeah. the original idea was um, Star Wars themed, and that's what it ended up being anyway. Yeah. And the original idea was me in my stormtrooper costume with um, the bass player as Boba Fett and the drummer as Darth Vader, yeah. all sitting on top of a pile of dead technology Yep. Um, with Cloud City in the background. And he's like, Dave, look, that's cool, but what about this? And he, he gave me this um, this rough sketch of Princess Leia mm-hmm. um, with on, a, on like a throne of dead yep. technology. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. And so I put it to the guys and they're like, yeah, let's, let's go with it. Mm. Um, and so what we did, so she's fully clothed. Mm. We've never had any problems with right. her not yep. being shown anywhere. Yep. Like it's all fine. But what I did do for the, um, for the vinyl release, yeah. I said, I emailed Chris. I said, Hey, Chris, 
can you do a version where she's topless? And he goes, and I said, I'll pay you. Like, yeah, I'll pay yeah, you to, yeah. to fix it up because yeah. I know it's another job. Yeah. You can't just rub it out. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have to do another whole um, thing. And he's like, Dave, I don't need financial incentive to draw boobs. <laughs> yeah, fair so, enough. So he just did it for me. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Because it already paid him. He's like, you just yeah, right. And so that's the only version. If you want to see that version of the record, you have to actually buy the physical, okay, final copy. Yeah, there you go. That's a nice, nice little. Yeah, hook. yeah. That's it. And I knew, Classic. like, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get any of my music pressed on vinyl again because it's a very expensive endeavor. It is. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket and do it. I'm really glad I did. Yeah. Um, have you ever got any of your stuff on vinyl? Yeah, yeah. All the Palace stuff always it's comes out on vinyl. It's all on vinyl. Oh, that's yeah. cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is an expensive endeavor. Oh, yeah. Who does it? Does Zenith do it for you? Or? Uh, we've had Zenith do some, yeah. yeah. And um, the last record was organized by our label So because we licensed, we licensed some records to Listenable in Europe. Mm-hmm. And so then they would press the vinyl and send it to us. Nice. So, as part of our our deal. Yes. So, that was good. So, there, there were ways around it. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, the the current label is um, Golden Robot Records in Australia. And they get, when we were in Europe touring in April, we had the vinyl pressed there in Europe. Ah, and we easy. were selling it on tour. And then we just bought some extra stuff back with us. Yes. So there's ways around it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah, it's like if you're going to do a run of vinyl, it can be tough. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Especially if you don't have that that backing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The first few we did, we just did them on our own. Mm. Well, actually, someone um, that was a guest on the podcast, uh, I think episode three, if I'm remembering correctly, a guy called Craig Johnson, his stage name is Delsinki, and he's just done a possible campaign for uh, a run of 150 vinyls. Mm-hmm. And he had to think, I think he had to set, pre-sell about 70 Copies to pay for them to pay for them, yeah. and then after that, he'd be able to yeah. pay to actually, and then anything after that would be profit. Yeah, and so I'm like, I totally pledged the forty bucks to get it done. Yeah, like, good on you. I, I love that idea as mm-hmm. well. Even if I didn't, I mean, I dig the music, which is a plus. Yeah, um, and obviously supporting the scene, but um, I thought, well, that's that's a good way around it. As long as yeah. long as you've got, I reckon, like most most bands should be able to muster seventy characters. You know, to to put, you would think so. You would think so to get. <laughs> or perhaps they shouldn't be making the vinyl. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But back in 2013, that wasn't a thing. No, you know, uh, literally, Zenith was just getting up, and that was when I wanted to press it on vinyl. Yep. And we we were, my my run of vinyls was actually one of the very first to come out of the the plant. Right. Yeah. That's cool. So we were kind of guinea pigs a little yeah. bit. Yeah. But- um, there you go. It's it's great to see that. And the crowdfunding, like you say, crowdfunding is a newish thing. Yeah. There's so many things that you don't realise are so new mm. until you really think about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Even just touring now, you know, when I first started touring, you didn't have your phone. No, So, if you lost right. someone, you lost someone. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you have to wait. Yeah, shit. We're just going to have to wait here now. Where's the bass player? Yeah. We don't know. No. It's crazy. <laughs> wait for him. Yeah. Far out. Well, well. On that, is there any funny stories from the road that you can remember from all of the the bands that you've been been oh, with over mate. the years? Any one one story that sticks out that that you'd like to tell? I don't know. To, today, There's lots of stories. Yeah, yeah. Or you think that could like you know would translate well in this medium? Yeah. Mm. I haven't really thought about particular stories. No, no. But uh, yeah, just so many, so many great stories. What about what about your best gig? 
Let's go there. Oh, I couldn't even tell you. Couldn't tell you. Worst gig? I tell you what, like, like it sound like sound like a wanker saying this, but last weekend we did a gig in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was unreal. Yeah. So I don't know. It's you know, like you always think the last thing you did's the best thing you ever did. Yeah, what's well, in it's fresh. It was in unreal. Mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But 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 yeah, I try to try to burn the the bad gigs from my memory. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember those. Yeah, but yeah, no, no, yeah. There's, there's, there's there's so many gigs, um, mm. and so many great gigs. And every time we go to Europe, I constantly have to remind the boys because we just we were there for all of April. Yeah, and we went to eight different countries. Wow! And you're playing to these people on the other side of the world, and you, you I have to say to the guys, you know. You remember when you were a kid and you wanted to be in a band and play to people all around the world? Mm. You're doing it. Yes. This is it. This You're is actually it. doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sure you probably wanted to do it at Wembley Arena. Yeah. But if you can't be at Wembley Arena, yeah. at least you could be here yeah. doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's it's unreal. It's a cool thing. It's unreal. I mean, I, I've I've gone, uh, I've traveled around the world, mm-hmm. um, but- only as a muso once. Yep. Um, we, we, is that with the pass outs? Uh, no, no. It was just covers, actually. Yep. Yeah. Um, my wife and I were on um, a honeymoon. Uh, no, no, not a honeymoon. It was, it was our second trip um, as a couple. We went to the States and we saw this um, little jazz band playing at the, at the, at the bar um, at, um, at Club Med, which is a resort. Mm-hmm. And we were down in Florida. And, and then we saw them at the pool the next day. And we're like, what the f- how are they? What's going on yep. here? So I befriended them, and, and it's basically an initiative where if you're a musician um, and you apply and you're successful, you can go to the resort, um, perform. You have to perform like f- six times a week, and you get one day off. You got to um, get yourself to yep. the resort and mm-hmm. back home. But while you're there, you're essentially a guest. Right. All you got to do is just do the gigs. Do the gigs. And I immediately, as soon as I got home, I was like, I've got to apply for this, and yeah. and we, I got it. Yeah. So yeah, we um, I I did a month long, uh, uh, residency at a club med resort in the Caribbean. How good is that? Come on. Yeah. You know? And what about the other musicians? Where are they from? All around the world, or? Um. Well, because I was doing it solo. Oh, it's just solo acoustic. Solo acoustic. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Easy. But they, yeah, you can do it in bands. Yeah, I just thought maybe you were playing in a, with a bunch of bands from. All over the world. Oh, that would be guys from all over the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I actually have had a guest on um, Troy Mail who did a a cruise ship gig, Mm -hmm. and that was very similar. Where you are are playing in a band um, with a lot of different people. Um, Oh, that's wild, man. Well, before we do finish up, Mm -hmm. um, is is there a way for people to um, follow your career? Um, Not only the Palace of the King, but do you have also like a personal page for your guitar playing and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's just. Tim.henwood on Instagram. and Yep. I, I think it's just Tim Henwood at, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Tim, one of the Tim Henwoods on Facebook. Click follow there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and the band, obviously, Palace of Palace the King. Palace of the King. Yeah, and, and, you know, the website, palaceofthekingmusic.com. You know, blah, blah, blah. You can find us. You can find it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty Most of my time's taken up with Palace, um, mm. even though... I'm doing this show, you know. Oh, we haven't really spoken about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we yeah, finish yeah. up, yeah. Where are, what are you doing here? What's going on here? This, uh, this is School of Rock. Mm. So, um, which is great, great show, great movie, and uh, yeah. So there's got a there are a few people in the cast. I did the first time I ever did a musical theatre gig. Yes, was Rock of Ages, which is oh, okay. across the road at the Comedy Theatre. The Comedy Theatre, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was like, the first time I'd ever done one. 
And you didn't have to really uh, read music. You just had to learn the show, memorize it. And then mm. we because we were on stage all night. We oh, were, really? We were the band oh, on that was stage in for the bar in, for the for the for the show. You know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but since doing that, I've been. Ever since then, I get asked to do other shows. Other shows, yeah. Hey, we know Tim. Yep, he can yeah, do he yeah. he'll be all right. And yeah, because yeah. I can read music from all the lessons as a kid, yep, um, I've done quite a few of them, and they they it's great because as as a musician, regular income is nothing to be sneezed at. No, and so I've got regular income coming in while I do the show, and um, thankfully for me, the musical director is uh, understands that. Palace of the King is my band and it's very important. Yeah. And so whenever I need to um, have a sh- uh, one of the shows off here mm. and do a Palace show, then that's okay. That's okay. So like tonight, you know, we're off to support Living Colour. Living Colour, man. Yeah. yeah. And so I've got my, um, got your my film coming in. Yeah. And I'm going down Marcus there. Marcus That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, the musical theatre stuff, I, I never th- thought I would ever get into it. So, but, yeah. But I'm- uh, uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. Enjoy it, yeah. and I really enjoy. And I, I've, I've thanked my parents too, and said, "Well, you know, you, you invested in me and enabled me to learn this craft. Yes. And now this craft is actually sustaining me and paying the bills, and it's um, it's an amazing. It's thing. what you want for your kids, you know. Yeah, most definitely. Because um, yeah, sitting in this chair and speaking to someone um, each week, a lot of the time, it's kind of. I'm finding it's more 50-50 where the, the the percentage of people like yourself who are able to sustain a, a career in, in the music industry by simply being, well, not simply, but being a musician 100% of the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um, and then there's obviously the other half that are doing the day gig, yeah. doing other things yeah. to, um, you know, support that habit. Yeah, but which I understand. You you're know. in a, you know, a very unique position that yeah. you're able to, you know, pay the bills. It's kind of, I think it's about being diverse. You know, so here my skill is playing guitar, two skills, playing guitar, reading music. Yeah. That's, so I'm able to do this. Yeah. And then tonight it'll be doing the palace gig will be, you know, my my love for writing songs and singing yeah. and playing guitar yeah. are very important. And that's what's helping build that band into something that's hopefully sustainable. Most definitely. And then, as you know, like technology and pro tools and all these sort of things. And I'm, I'm quite good in the studio, mm. which has only happened because I wanted to learn how to record my own music to save money. Yes. and But now I'm good at it and people come to me and ask me to record their stuff. That's cool. So yesterday I had a session during the day yeah. where someone came to my studio and I recorded them That's and I got cool. paid for a day in the studio. Beautiful. So there's lots of different elements to yeah. being able to make enough money to yeah. survive. Yeah, yeah through purely through music it's not just i'm not earning enough money just playing guitar no no i I admire you and the the cats that are able to do that because i would i would be because i'm i'm a high school music teacher during the day yeah and i have the um i'm still surrounded by music every Mm -hmm. day which i'm really really grateful for but um to actually and as obviously as a singer it would be a lot more difficult to find work in as a session it singer. It is, yeah. You know, harder, yeah. Um, uh, if, you can't as, sit as, in the pit while School of Rock's on. 
and <laughs> doing backing sing. vocals. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, old mate's lost his voice. That's or something, right. I'm know? sure uh, <laughs> there, there are the occasional gigs in pits for singers, but not very many. Not really. No. I actually did that once. Yeah. As a as a um a young man, I, I was obviously in all the the musicals through high school. Yeah. And um, when I first left school, I wanted to kind of keep that going, so yep. I did an amateur theatre production of um. I can't remember the name of the the musical, but um, the one of my uh, co actors yep. lost his voice, right? But it was in a scene that I wasn't on, right? So I literally sang the song, right, backstage while he was miming. Classic, wow! <laughs> and we had to do it because he'd literally lost his voice; oh, it was gone. Poor so, um, yeah, I, I don't think I could make a living doing that. <laughs> if I did, that would be pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, it would, wouldn't it? It'd be weird. Oh, man. Well, dude, um, thank you so much for uh, for coming on uh, The Art of Touring and, and giving us all the, the juicy stories about your, your life as a musician. Um, it's, My pleasure. It's been so much fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And um, we'll obviously, we'll follow you on uh, um, Instagram and Facebook, yeah. uh, Palace of the King. Yeah. And we'll look out for your, for your future and current releases. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Tim. Cheers, mate. See ya. Bye. And that's a wrap, Sizzlers, episode 38 in the bag. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, give the podcast a share on social media. Use that hashtag, Art of Touring Podcast, on Instagram. And give us a follow at Art of Touring Podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please, you can just email me, Art of Touring Podcast at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to come on the show. If you're a touring muso, performer, wrestler, just hit me up. Or send me a message. Just slide on into my DMs there on Instagram at Art of Touring Podcast. You can listen to Art of Turing on Wooshka and you can download it on iTunes. If you have enjoyed this episode of uh, The Art of Turing, please take a moment to give the podcast a rating. Just hit five stars on the app, scroll down, write a, write a review and that'll be rad and I'll see you next week again on a Tuesday for another episode of Art of Turing. Uh, now let's get into some plugs. The theme music for The Art of Touring is a song called Start a Fire uh, by The Pass Outs, which is available to stream on Spotify or download on iTunes. You can grab the whole album by The Pass Outs on all digital platforms. And if you'd like to grab a physical copy on either CD or Glory or Glory, <laughs> Glorious Coloured Vinyl, uh, then you can just go to thepassoutsband.bandcamp.com where you can get all your merchandise needs, including T-shirts, stickers, posters and even skateboards if you'd like to come and see me play some live music i'm doing an acoustic covers show on january friday the 18th uh, 2019 at the sporting globe in plenty valley uh i'll be there from 8 until 11 p.m playing all classic covers uh, that you know and love and uh while you're there grab yourself a burger or one of their tasty signature loaded palmers I'd suggest the mac and cheese loaded Palmer. It's insane. That's all from me this week. Before I go, I have a few shout-outs. Shout-out to Chris Wall, who designed the artwork for the show. And you can follow him on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelled to W-A-H-L. Big, 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 big thanks to my guest this week, Mr. Tim Henwood. Uh, you can follow his band, Palace of the King, on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, all the regular social channels. That's all from me this week. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of... The Art of Turing with a Sith Dog! Oh, oh, oh!
Woo! And remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Sis Dogs. Phone waiting music. The sound of your time being wasted never sounded so dull. Oh, make sure my phone is on silent. You got your phone on silent there? Yeah, mine's already on silent, buddy. Legend, legend. <laughs> yeah, it'd be always on silent down here, wouldn't it? Yeah, it has to be. You yeah. just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Far out. Um, you don't want it ringing in the middle of the show. That would be like the absolute worst case scenario, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. People would probably think it's part of the show, especially if it came from the pit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the other musicians would be looking at you like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's yes. not a good vibe. No, no. No, I've heard I've heard stories of it happening. Really? And then the person just denying that it was them. No, nah, wasn't mine. Wasn't my phone. Was, wasn't mine. No, nah, you know. Inside, you just, your heart's yeah. closing. You're like, oh, oh my God, I think it's my phone ringing. Yeah, not cool. I dropped the ball.